This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi there, I'm Lale Arakoglu with another episode of Women Who Travel where I'm talking to one of my favourite guests, Jessica Nabongo, who in 2019 became the first black woman to visit every country in the world and document her travels. We'll be dipping in and out with flashbacks from our conversation two years ago. But her travel style and goals remain the same. It's all part of her identity. I am always in control of my life and what my life looks like. And someone who really understands and values the human spirit and the diversity of experiences and trying to remove value judgments of good and bad and understanding the value is in the diversity. I'm try- I was trying to remember the last time we spoke, and I think it was around September 2022. And we were all, we were definitely all back traveling then, but I felt like we were kind of still finding our feet. I'd done a couple of trips, and you were definitely back out there. <laughs> but how's the last year and a half been? How, how, how have your travels been? Oh my goodness. Um, I feel like I've been doing so much in the last year and a half. I did 95 flights, so I was all over the place last year. Um, I was in Brazil, the Maldives, South Africa, Mozambique, Botswana. I ended the year in Uganda, so most recently I just came back. I spent one month in East Africa spending time with family in Uganda and then resting and relaxing in Zanzibar and in Kenya. You don't stop. So, (laughs) 95 flights Mm -hmm. in one year. Like, I think that I rack up my mileage, but that is on another level. And you've already visited every country in the world. Yeah. I mean, you are a professional traveler. You, You know, you made history by becoming the first black woman to visit every country in the world. We've talked about it so much on this podcast, but you always have more stories. <laughs> and then you've kept going. What's your advice to travelers who want to do what you're doing and see the same value in connecting with people who live in the place they're visiting, but just feel a bit scared of it? Yeah, I think the easiest, the biggest tip is find something that you guys can connect on. If you're 
mother, you know, ask people, do you have kids? Start talking about kids. And then as soon as conversation gets going, you'll get comfortable. So I think the the best tip that I can give is just find something that you can connect on. Like for sure you have language barriers, but if you're already speaking English with a guy, then you're past the language barrier. And I think once you just start trying to connect with them, not thinking, oh, but they're from this country and I'm from here. No, like people are just people everywhere in the world. We all like you're going to find people that have similar interests, um, similarities in their life, just like you. So if you're an introvert, pretend that you're an extrovert and really just come outside of yourself in that way. And that can help you maybe to break down the barrier of anxiety or whatever and start to meet people. Because the great thing is when you're abroad, chances are you'll never see these people again. So you can say wild things. You can be whoever you want to be. And I think that's kind of the fun part of it. I'm sure in your early travel days, you maybe weren't so bold when it came to striking up those spontaneous friendships. Uh, maybe, but I think I'm just, I'm just that way. I've always been an extrovert. Anywhere I go, I build community pretty quickly. I think about... Um, when I moved to Japan, so Japan was like the 10th country, I believe, that I visited. I moved there in 2008. I'd never lived abroad. I'd never been to Asia. And I created a huge community there, you know, within the first few months. And those are still people who I'm, a lot of whom I'm still in touch with. So I think one of my gifts has always been the ability to create community wherever I am. Like from kindergarten, when I was like leading bike rides around the neighborhood near my school, to high school when I was in student council, to college. And then I just took those same things that I would do in the U.S. and I took it with me um, abroad. For me, the thing about travel... We can see tons of mountains, tons of beaches, lots of different architecture. But for me, the real impact comes in the relationships that you build with local people. That's how, for me, I really get to experience the country. So it's important for me that I, you know, I spend time getting to know my guides, talking to my drivers, whatever it is, talking to the concierge at the hotel, just because I feel like I get a better experience of that country. And I feel like I get to know the country more because of those experiences through the people that I meet. Clearly, it comes naturally to you. (laughs) Back to the past year, you mentioned some extraordinary places. What were a couple of the highlights? I would have to say Mozambique was one of the highlights. Obviously, I had been to the country before, but this time um, I went to Benguera Island, which is a little bit further north than uh, Maputo. And absolutely stunning. You take a helicopter from the main airport to get to this island, and it's just crystal clear blue waters and just, you know, there's not a lot of people. So it felt like me and my friend who were there together, it just felt like we were all alone on this little island. And we went out on a a snorkeling trip. I saw sharks, which I was a little bit afraid. What, what um, kind of sharks? Out of interest? I don't know. It was a little baby <laughs> shark. It was maybe like, I don't know, like that big. It was maybe like... The, the sort of shark that would just have two. like a cheeky nibble. It's, it's not going <laughs> to... <laughs> a little, a little tiny nibble. Um, so that was that was probably one of the biggest highlights. Peru as well, getting to do a keynote, it was a really amazing experience because there were people from all over the world and so many people came up to me afterwards 
and just told me how inspired they were or how they just appreciated my philosophies on life that I was sharing. And that really meant a lot to me. And it also sort of fired me up to continue just doing these keynote speeches where I really just share everything that I've learned traveling and sort of give like life lessons from it. Where exactly did you go in Peru? My first trip, I went to Lima and Cusco. This trip, I was only in Cusco. I love Cusco. I preferred Cusco to Lima the first time I went. And it was solidified again uh, when I went this time. You know, you have to be careful with the altitude. That is always a little bit of a challenge. Me and altitude are not friends. Um, I've Obviously, I've been to some of the world's like like uh, Bolivia, La Paz is like the wor- the country, the world's um, highest capital city. But, you know, you get the cocoa leaves, um, take like some ibuprofen and things like that. You've mentioned, you know, talking about Mozambique, obviously you were in Peru for a very specific reason to do this keynote. But in Mozambique, you were with a friend. And last time you were on the podcast, we really focused on solo travel. So I've been to 89 countries solo and on every continent, except for Antarctica. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, and you're Black. You're a Black woman traveling solo. What is that about? The world is a relatively safe place. I think so much of what we're consuming right now makes us believe otherwise, but 89 countries solo and very few things have gone wrong. The topic of overcoming fear, next up. Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices, and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tyres, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. 
but that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. If um, the people listening get nothing else from both you and me, I hope they really let fear go. There's no sense in wasting your energy on thinking about what could happen. It's a poor use of your energy. And that's for women. That's for, um, in particular, women of color. A lot of people, a lot of Black women say, well, I don't know. What is it going to be like? Is it okay for me as a Black woman? I get that question so much. And I'm like, everywhere I go, I'm Black. That's the only thing I've ever been. And I've had an amazing experience in 99.9% of the places that I visited. So I really just hope that hearing this podcast um, and just seeing my, my travels, that people feel comfortable and just let the fear go. I will say I was recently, I was on a cruise and we had a stop in Mexico. And while we were there, my friend's wallet got stolen. We got scammed by the people that we got the motorbike from and they stole his like ship ID. Right. And I had a keynote on this ship and then a fireside chat. So the cruise director, he's like, do you mind if I talk about it when I interview you? Because you, yesterday you told us everyone, most people are good. And then this horrible thing happens to you Love this cruise director being like a real journalist with the follow-up questions. And I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. And so, you know, I tell everyone about these horrible things that happen. And I said, but guess what? There's over a thousand people on this cruise ship and we're the only ones that something bad happened to. Most people had a great experience while they were in Mexico. We just got the short end of the stick. And also, that was just that experience. I love Mexico. I've been to Mexico so many times, and I've never been scammed or robbed. So for me, it doesn't change how I feel about humanity, and it doesn't change how I feel about Mexico. And like I said, I said most people are good. I never said all. So it was okay. We got through it. That would be like a level of optimism that you'd be setting yourself up for disappointment if you said all. Right, exactly. That's impossible. I mean, we've talked about this numerous times, but it makes me think a lot about, you know, when you are a woman traveling all over the place. And when I went to Peru last year, I was down in the Amazon, which was incredible. And I had like multiple people here in the US be like, but what if something goes wrong? What if, you know, do you trust people there? Like, are you scared? And I was like, something like horrible happened in my subway station that is, I literally live above the subway. And I'm like, something unconscionable happened to a woman in that station like just a matter of months ago, something bad could happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think what you were saying is really meaningful to me and it's, it's, it's nice to hear it and definitely is a, a playbook that I like to go by when it comes to traveling. You know, I think generally the world is a pretty safe place, generally speaking. I also think that's the nice thing about creating connections with locals when you travel. They're going to want to help keep you safe. 
when you have that little connection with a local, they're going to help you navigate things. You know, then you have someone you can send a WhatsApp to like, hey, I want to go here. Is it okay if I go there at night? You know, it gives you that access just for more information that you can't get from Google. Welcoming strangers came up often in our previous interview. You know, you meet people and you. I ask for recommendations and then I sort of let that guide me versus like having a prescriptive plan. We were in Udaipur in India. I love Indian food, one of my favorite cuisines. And we had been in India like three days and I just hadn't had good food. And so I asked this guy who like worked in the market. I was like... Where can you recommend us for lunch? And I was like, I don't want to see any tourists. I want to go where you eat. So he sends us to this place. And obviously, most Indians speak English, right? We went to a place where nobody spoke English. I was like, yes, this is perfect. And we were just pointing. And I did not touch the water and the carafe that they sent over. But... The food was amazing. And so, you know, like, I think sometimes people get nervous and they're like, oh, deli belly and all that. I never got sick on the road. So it was like trusting a local person and they know what good food is. And so we ended up at this delicious restaurant where no one spoke English and we ate there twice because it was so good. Because there was no English anywhere. I don't really know what it was, but it was some sort of chicken curry and like chapati. Is that common for you that you sort of end up gelling with someone when you're yes, traveling? Yes, it and- does happen a lot. <laughs> when I was in Caracas, my guide, his mother was driving us around. And by the end of the day, they invited me over and made me a smoothie from mangoes that they had in their backyard. And his mom was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time we've ever brought someone into our home. And so I don't know. I've, I'm so grateful. I can think of Iraq, Jordan. There's so many places that I, even Iran that I've been with tour guides and I end up in their homes. And, you know, these are people who years after I leave the countries, I'm still friends with and we still check in with each other. So it's kind of my thing. I ended up going to the Maldives because uh, I was speaking on a panel there To be able to go to the Maldives for work for a speaking engagement was phenomenal. I was with G Adventures for World Tourism Day, another really great experience. And I, if people follow me, they will have seen that um, one of my tour guides there, I needed a dress for an event and I didn't have anything. So we bought some fabric and his mother made me a dress. So random. Wait, I need... I need the full story here. Every little detail. Tell me everything. Okay. So G Adventures, they were having this party. It was the gold party, but I I didn't find out about it in advance. And so I get there and they're like, oh, do you have your gold outfit? And I'm like, what? So you're like, yeah, always pack a gold outfit when I'm I'm traveling. So I'm like, oh man. So they um, paired me up with a tour guide and we went to the market and we're walking around and I see a fabric store and I see gold fabric. And I'm like, okay, let's get this fabric. Let's find a tailor. We went to so many tailors and no one would do it for me. And so he said, you know what? Let me ask my mom. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, she loves stuff like this. 
So he asked his mom. We I went to his house, and it was the first time he ever brought a guest to his home. And his daughter is so cute and mentioned it. Like, you've never brought anyone home before. And so me, him, his four-year-old daughter, his mother, and his wife got to hang out for a few hours. And I mean, it was literally like two hours. And she made me this really cute dress, um, like less than two hours. And I ended up wearing it to the event. It was just a beautiful moment. In the past year, has traveling with friends been a priority in a way that perhaps it hasn't been before? Yeah, it's really been a priority for me because, you know, when I was doing my journey to every country, it was difficult to get people to come with me, um, largely because a lot of the countries people did not want to travel to for their vacation. Uh, So it's been really nice being back uh, living in the U.S. and being able to travel with friends. So that definitely has been a priority for me and also with family as well. Did you have to adjust to traveling with other people? Because when you travel solo, you get to really do things on your own terms and be pretty selfish, uh, which is why I love it. And when you're with other people, you have to make a few more compromises. So I just was traveling with my cousin. We were in Zanzibar in Nairobi, and then two friends flew in and met us in Nairobi. And I think because now everywhere I travel, I've already been, I am like, what do you want to do? Like, let's do what you want to do, because I'm like, I've been here. I've probably been to the place a number of times. So for me, I'm much more relaxed and laid back, and I'm just like, we can do whatever you guys want to do. I want you to maximize your experience. That must be a really lovely place to be in and to be able to some kind of like almost like gift that to your friends a little bit. Yeah, honestly, I think like Kenya was, it was such a beautiful experience to be able to do that. And even though I was doing things that I had done before, I'm like, okay, no, we have to do this. I'll let you out of that if you really don't want to do it. But trust me, like, for example, (laughs) we had gone to Nairobi National Park, which I'd never done, which I highly recommend. It's a real safari in the middle of Nairobi. Um, And then we went to Giraffe Center and it was a long day. And I'm like, but guys, we have to go to the market. I know everyone is tired, but we have to go to the Maasai Market. You will regret it if we don't go. And we went and we spent two hours there. We were only supposed to be there for one hour, but, you know, they trusted me and they were really happy. Lamu is one of my favorite places in the world. And so to get to take my friends there and for them to fall in love with it as much as I love it, it just, for me, it brought me so much joy. Coming up, street food on Kenya's Lamu Island. I'm Chris Murphy. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are from Vanity Fair's Still Watching Podcast. Next up, we're watching the new HBO show, The Regime. Madam Chancellor, let's keep the gloves on. This is not a confrontation. We're just saying what's true. Academy Award winner Kate Winslet is our chancellor as she leads a faux European autocracy in turmoil. We'll be watching week by week as the regime unravels. And we'll be talking to the stars along the way. New episodes of Still Watching will drop every Sunday after the regime airs. Describe Lamu a little bit, because 
another traveler editor, was there last year and truly fell in love with it. And I was, you know, following along with her stories and it truly looked like such a beautiful and interesting place. Yeah, so Lamu, I would say it's like a, a very small Zanzibar. So you, it's on the coast, so you have this like Swahili architecture, you know, the history of the Arabs coming down and uh, meshing with East African culture. And it's, I'm assuming she probably stayed in Shayla because that's like the place where most people stay. It's it's actually a village and you really get that feeling. So when I was there, um, I, first of all, eat everything because the curry is so delicious. It's the first time I ever had fish samosas. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing. But what I love about it is that you get that village feel. People are walking around, everyone's speaking. Um, everyone is so helpful. You kind of get lost because it's a bit of a maze, but it was just, I don't know. Like there, there's not a ton to do. You do a Sunset Dow cruise, but beyond that, it's just about meeting people, talking to people, enjoying the beach, enjoying sunset. And there's a young woman named Salma there who makes the best samosas. And so I actually went to her house and had her teach me how to make samosas, which is so incredible. Um, I'm hoping to make them at home soon. I was going to ask, have you tried to make the fish samosa yet? Not yet, but today I am making fish curry. And that is a recipe that I also got when I was there. So I'm very excited to do my fish curry today. I adore that. (laughs) Jessica, where are you going next? I'm so excited because I'm going on a trip that is number one on my bucket list. I leave in a few days for Argentina. And from there, I'm going to Antarctica. Oh, my God, you're doing the Antarctica trip. Yes, Um, I'm so excited. Are you going via Drake's Passage? Yes, yes. So we fly to Ushuaia, I think it's called, um, in the south of Argentina. And then we board a ship and we go to Antarctica. I'm so excited. And it's really cool because I'm going with Lindblad and National Geographic. And of course, Nat Geo is my publisher. So it's like a full circle moment. And I'm going to the last continent on my list. How long will you be there for? Uh, It's 10 days. One thing I've heard about is um, because, you know, usually you're on a ship. But often sometimes there is the experience where you get to go camp out for a night. Are you going to do that? Oh, I I haven't heard. So you know what's so funny? Because I found out about this while I was still traveling, I haven't done all of my research. I have not read all of the things that they've sent me, which is kind of cool because I want to be surprised. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but I've packed a lot of very cute sweaters. Well, I was going to say, if you're wondering what to pack, I'm pretty sure we have a how to pack for Antarctica story on cntraveler.com. Amazing. (laughs) I'll send you the link. Thank you. Next week, another odyssey, but of the classical variety. Laura Coffey goes in search of the islands in Homer's epic poem and finds that the closest real equivalents are not in Greece, but off the coast of Italy, Spain and Croatia. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and you can find me on Instagram at Lale Hanna. Our engineers are Jake Loomis, Nick Pittman, and James Yost. The show's mixed by Amar Lal. Jude Kampfner from Corporation for Independent Media is our producer. Chris Bannon is Condé Nast's head of global audio. 
Life doesn't come with an instruction manual, but the Life Kit podcast gets you pretty close. Whether we're helping you tackle life-altering questions or just your everyday pickles, we've got deeply human solutions to your deeply human problems. Listen now to the Life Kit podcast from NPR.